Second Chronicles this morning, chapter 34, and I appreciate the goodness of the Lord. And uh, I believe America's turning a page today, and uh, God help us. I love this land, and I thank God for this country, and I'm grateful that I was born in America, and uh, I still love this land, and uh, she's in trouble, but I thank God for our country. Amen. And I thought about, as they were singing about, uh, do not pass me by, I'm grateful in 1972 uh, on West Side Independent Baptist Church that God did not pass me by. And, uh, Brother Tim, the first time I went there, I was just an eight-year-old boy, and uh, I believe my grandmother came to town, my mother's mother, and uh, she was an old Methodist, but for some reason, she'd always find them independent Baptist churches where they knocked the bark off of you when they preached to you, amen? And uh, so she took us to the house of God, and I remember the first time, the Holy Ghost, he spoke to me, and I had never experienced that, and I began to weep, and my brothers and sisters began to cry because I was, uh, but I went back home, and I came back again. And the third time, he spoke to me again and said, won't you come? And I'm glad that it did. And uh, hallelujah, what a wonderful life that I have lived. And then two years later, uh, dad had tried to take his life in another overdose. He had done that four different times and they'd rushed him to the hospital and pumped his stomach and put him in a straight jacket and put him in the, the mental ward. And, and uh, he was, uh, for the first time, afraid of dying and going to hell for the first time. And, uh, and so he uh, decided, they let him out on the weekends. They kept him for two or three weeks, and, and he decided to go to church. And he got preached to. And uh, Brother Ladd, he, he got mad. The man of God came to him and said, you may be the meanest man in Cleveland, but God will save you. And he got mad, and he went home, and he said, not today, brother. And he went back to the house because of his pride, but God still loved him. There at the house, laying in the bed, two o'clock in the morning, he cried out and said, oh God, save me, save me. I'm glad he didn't pass him by, hallelujah. I'm glad, thank God, one of these days we're gonna have a reunion, amen, because of the good grace of God and the Holy Ghost. I say, hallelujah, bless his holy name, glory to God, hallelujah for the Holy Ghost, amen. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. 1984, my brother John died. And as far as I know, he went to hell without God. He died without God. But you know what the Lord didn't do? He didn't pass him by. I saw him put his hand on the pew, shaking the pew, weeping, tears running down his cheeks wearing an old ball cap because he'd already lost his hair from the treatments of leukemia. The preacher said, is anybody going to hell? He raised his hand. We began to weep. Oh, we began to weep. The preacher preached on Judas's last chance, and as far as I know, that was my brother's last chance. But I'm ever grateful that God didn't pass him by. Dad said when he went into the hospital room that last night, he was in a coma. And he said, I'm not coming back in here, son. I'm saying goodbye. 
He said he walked out of the hospital room and that devil, that sorry devil, got on his shoulder and said, God isn't fair. He didn't give your boy a chance. He said, I spoke it out loud and said, you're a liar. He gave him every opportunity. He passed by his way. I'm telling you, if you're here lost this morning, you better respond to the Holy Ghost. Because if you're here lost, my brother would trade places with you for everything in the world. He's been in hell for over 30 years because he didn't heed when he passed by. Oh, I thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. That don't have anything to do with my message. But don't you let him pass by. I talked to my brother. He was, of course, on a respirator when they had me to fly in. I'd already left to work at a children's home. And I got there that Sunday afternoon and he was on that respirator and I said, John, are you not even thinking about God? And he just shrugged his shoulders because Jesus passed by for the last time. Oh, you better not let that happen to you. Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 34. I guess that was message number one. Amen. The Bible said Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign and he reigned in Jerusalem one in 30 years. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of David his father, declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father, and in the twelfth year, or twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves uh, and the carved images uh, and the molten images. I'm gonna stop reading there. I wanna take my thought out of verse three. And he said, while he was yet young, while he was yet young. Now there's two things that I believe that Josiah did that put him in a position for the Lord to use him. In verse 27, the Bible said that his heart was tender. That his heart was tender. Uh, just what Brother Chris was talking about. Uh, uh, there'll be things in your life, if you're not careful, uh, that can harden your heart. Uh, there's problems that are gonna come by your way uh, as sometimes even as a teenager. Uh, you'll experience some bad things uh, uh, that come into your life, uh, uh, that come and bring problems. Uh, and if you're not careful, uh, you'll get a hard heart. I appreciate this sister's testimony uh, talking about her sister. Uh, if you're not careful, uh, you can let people, you can let family uh, cause you to have a hard heart. Uh, get bitter and get upset and get angry with God. Uh, when they stormed the Capitol, I guess that was two weeks ago today, uh, uh, my brother, uh, who I've tried to witness to and win to God, uh, he, I thought we had kind of got somewhere. Uh, when the election happened, he quit talking to me. And, and But when dad died, I called him and we wept together. And I, I thought I made a little bit of headway with him. Well, I got a text from him. And I'm telling you, he jumped all over me uh, and said that was my fault. Uh, and thousands of innocent people were going to die uh, because uh, of Trump being 
being in office. Uh, and I said, I text back. I said, I don't have anything to do with violence. I don't believe in that nonsense. Uh, uh, we don't promote that garbage. He said, you're responsible for that. That's what he told me. And I'll be honest with you. I felt my heart getting, begin to beat a little fast. I kind of got a little upset. And so I text back and I said, you want to talk about responsibility? How about all them stinking Democrat presidents you voted in since 1973 that has murdered 63 million babies? I said, you want to talk about responsibility? Let's talk about responsibility. But you know what? I bowed my head and I said, Lord, he don't know no better. He's lost without God. Help me not to get better. And I just wrote him and I said, I love you and I'll always love you and I'll always pray for you. Hallelujah. I'm glad, thank God, he texted me back the next morning and he said, I'm sorry. I said, now text you. Hey, you hear me, friend? Do not let uh, people and problems uh, give you a hard heart. Amen. Oh, he had, he kept his heart tender. Number two, the Bible said he was humble. He kept himself humble. There's a well-known evangelist today. He rides the circuit. He's pretty popular. A friend of mine whose brother really liked this guy. He was out of church and he said, I, I want to go with you. Let's go hear that man preach. That pastor walked up to this man, uh, this, this, this evangelist, and he went like this. He stuck out his hand. And that evangelist looked at that pastor's hand and turned around and walked away. Can you imagine somebody doing that? Can you imagine somebody to think they're so big and they're so something that they don't even have to shake hands with a man of God. God, help us. We live, young people, in a world that is full of self. Uh, we live, and I'm going to tell you uh, one thing that I've seen a common thread among older men of God. Oh, Brother Milford Biddle and oh, Brother Clarence Stanfield and those men of God was humility. They didn't get up on that pulpit and think they are somebody. They knew without the help of God uh, that they couldn't do anything. Uh, I've got news for you, young people. Uh, thank God. God will help you, but you can't do it on your own. You don't have the ability. I'm telling you every time I preach, I beg God for the help of another world because I don't have the ability. I'm telling you, Paul said to preach under the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. If Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord hath anointed me to preach, how much more that we must have that power and that anointing that comes from above, amen. But you'll not get it when you think that you are right and you got it and you don't need his help. I don't care if you've been preaching 100 years, you still need him, amen. Oh yes. Let me give you a few things. Number one, verse two, this young man, while he was young, he was steadfast. You know, he started reigning at eight years old and he said when he was 16, eight years in his reign, he decided to serve God. How come young people think they have to wait till they get out of high school and get a family before they can start serving God? 
Uh, you can start serving him now. Amen. Uh, he did not decline. That means he wasn't easily persuaded. He said to the right or to the left. He made up his mind uh, as our sister testified. She said, I've just made up my mind. I'm going to serve God. Uh, every one of you young people need to do that today. Uh, there was a day when I did that. I climbed, uh, Brother Chris, I climbed upstairs in my daddy's house in the attic and I got on my knees two months before I graduated from high school and I said, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. I can't do a whole lot, but here I am. I gave him myself and you need to make up your mind and be steadfast that you're not gonna climb in the back seat of a car. You're not gonna smoke no dope. You're not gonna drink any liquor. You're not going to a stupid rock concert and you're gonna live for God and you're gonna walk with God and you're gonna be faithful all the days of your life. Just go ahead and make up your mind today. That's what you're gonna do, amen. Can I tell you something else bother me? It's all this short wearing. Supposed to be. <laughs> Preachers are wearing them now. Can you believe that? What are we doing? What in the world are we doing? When I first started, I would have never dreamed you'd have to preach on that in camp meetings, amen? Yeah, boy, we've come a long ways, haven't we? God help us. Girls can't wait to put on them blue jeans. There's people I know I would have never dreamed. I set the, their little girls on my, my knee when they were one and two. The first thing they did when they got a chance, when they got out of the house, was put on a pair of tight blue jeans. What is that for? What is the purpose of that? Why do we have, you say, oh, preacher, you're just meddling. I'm just telling you, why in the world do we have to do that? Why in the world can't you stay dressed the way you were taught and the way you was raised? I'm telling you, it's all right to do right. It's still all right. It may not be popular, but it's still all right to do right and to live right and to walk right. I'm not gonna let that crowd intimidate me. I'm not gonna let them make me think that I'm strange or weird because I have some standards with the help of God. I'm going to try to do right uh, until the stars fall. Hallelujah. Amen. He didn't decline. Verse 33, he didn't depart. He just stayed with it. I appreciate some of you fellows are getting past 18, 19. You're still here. Thank God for that. Stay with it. You Harris brothers, stay with it. We need you. We, 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 need, we need you, young people. Brother Caleb, we gotta have you, buddy. Uh, we gotta have you. Brother, I, we need you, fellas. We've gotta have you uh, uh, getting up, uh, uh, getting in your 20s and 30s and raising your own family in the house of God. We do not need you to depart. We need you to stay here. Hallelujah. I'm not boasting today, but I'm grateful that God allowed me to stay in. I've never been out. Hallelujah. Never got, hey, you know what? Brother Jason never got out. Praise God, amen. He was steadfast. Number two, he was seeking, verse three, the God of his father. Now you can't seek after the God of your father until you accept the God of your father. <clears throat> I wonder if you've accepted the God of your father. Most of you boys have got a good father to look to. We got good men in the church that love God. 
You've got a good father to seek after. I got saved before uh, my father. But you know what I'm glad that dad did? Uh, we had family order every night. Brother Laddie, that, that's so far gone. People don't do that anymore. I mean, we'd, we'd read the Bible and pray every night. You know what? When with Patty is with me, we still do. We have family order every night. Even though we just come from revival, we still have family order. Amen. We read together last night, prayed together. 35 years of marriage, we've been through the Bible one chapter at a time over three times already just through family order. Hey, praise God. I'm telling you, stay with it. Hey, accept the God of your father and then go after the God of your father. He's a God that's worthy, as our brother Sam said. I'm glad he's faithful. I wish today I'd been one faithful to him as he's been to me. He's been faithful, hallelujah. You can trust him. He'll always take care of you. He'll always do what's right. He'll always do what he said he will. Thank God he's faithful this morning. I'm glad I serve a faithful God. I'm glad I know who he is, amen. I'm glad, thank God, he's faithful, hallelujah. Amen. Who knows what tomorrow holds? But we know who holds tomorrow. One thing about their socialistic agenda, <laughs> that's just getting closer to heaven, hallelujah. Amen. And they'll send me the money and I'll spend it. Amen. Hallelujah. But anyway. <laughs> Number three, he had a single heart. Verse three through eight. You know what he did? He removed the high places. You know how in the Old Testament, king after king, he say, he served the Lord except the high places except the high places. There was an old song talked about a, a room in my heart. You see, there's places you won't give to God. You keep the key. Sometimes it can even be a, a, a place of bitterness that you, you want to hold on to that bitterness. You want to hold on to that anger or you want to hold on to that sin. A place that you have set high. You'll never be all that you can be till you remove those high places. And don't ever think the older you get that it gets easier. The devil fights me just like he did when I was a teenager. Them, them battles are still real. I just gotta keep them out. I gotta keep those high places out. You see, you know what young people struggle with more than anything outside of their cell phone is their music. I just lost a friend because I wouldn't go to his church because he painted his ceiling black and put in strobe lights and started singing contemporary rock music. They call it Christian, but it ain't Christian. It's, it's contemporary rock music. And he said, I want you to come. And I said, I can't. I can't be a part of that. I preach against that nonsense and I am not coming. You see, uh, you know what? You've got to remove those high places. I remember, I think it was, we didn't get to have Jubilee last year, the year before that. That morning I preached on a new song and I had preached on country music. 
And Brother Eric Brown came up to me after the service and he said, he said, you may think that God didn't use that. He said, I just had a gentleman uh, come to me that's an older man and said he has fought with that for years uh, and he's going to give it to God and quit listening to it. See, I'm telling you, there's people, young people, it don't stop when you're a teenager. You can be in your 50s and your 60s and still have the devil's music to bother you uh, and entice you uh, and you got to remove that garbage from your life. Amen. He removed the high places, but I tell you, he went a step further. He ruined them. He ruined the images. He broke them and, and turned them into powder. Now, here's what I, I, I've preached many of youth camp down through the year. And here's what I've seen. I've seen young people get moved by the Holy Ghost. And they'll go down to the altar. Lord, I'm going to give up my country music. I'm going to give up my rock music. Lord, I'm going to give up uh, wearing shorts. Or I'm going to give up uh, ladies wearing pants. Lord, I'm going to give this up. But when they go home, Brother Hayden, they don't get rid of it. They don't get rid of it, see. About two months later, they just, Brother Chris, they go back in just a little bit. And then they go back in just a little bit more. And for long, they're doing all that they were doing before they removed those high places. And because they didn't get rid of it. You remember in the book of Acts, they burnt those books? You got to get rid of it, man. Beat those CDs all to pieces. And then have enough sense not to go buy anymore. Amen. I mean, break them up where you won't. Hey, if you can't uh, uh, with your radio, praise God, blow it up with a shotgun. I mean, if you, hey, don't listen to it. Get it out of your life. Uh, if it draws you, I'm telling you this, you'll not be a spirit-filled, a child of God, or uh, listen to that music day in and day out. That garbage uh, will hinder your life spiritually. Amen. Amen. I was preaching music one day and the pastor got up behind me. Here's what he said. Well, now, there's some good songs. They're, they're, and I thought, are you kidding me? He just told them, young people, you just listen, just pick out the good ones. A famous statement that old Dr. Phil Kidd used to say, I'm not going to climb through a septic tank to get a biscuit. Amen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Why in the world would you try to dig through all of that garbage to find a biscuit? I'm telling you, I'll get you some good music that we've heard this week and listen to that. Don't you put that garbage in your ears. Amen. Are we having a time? Hallelujah. He had a single heart. Can I say, fourthly, the sanctuary in verse 8 through 12 was important to him. I appreciate everybody that's here. They don't have to be here. These kids don't have much of a choice. <laughs> but everybody else has a choice. Make it real to you, son. Make the sanctuary a priority in your life. As you men get jobs, Brother Jonathan's got one where he's able to come. You need to be here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. Now, some men already have jobs that they have to work. I understand that. My dad had a job eight hours a day, first shift at the steel mill. Then they went to second shift, and then they moved him to second and third. He'd do first, second, and third. First, second, and third. So he'd miss a Sunday. He'd miss a Wednesday. But he was already set in his career. He couldn't change that. And he hated to miss. But I tell young people, don't take a job like that. Just make up your mind. You're not going to do it. Uh, well, you got to work Sunday, sir. Well, then I'll just have to find another one. It may cost you a couple dollars an hour, but God will reward you 
much greater. You'll have much more happiness in the house of God than you would on a job making an extra dollar to an hour. Amen. Amen. Oh, yes. Just make it a priority in your life. This coronavirus has kind of weeded out some people that wasn't quite quite settled on church anyway, apparently. I don't have no problem people don't come because they're fearful of it as long as they go nowhere else. If they can go sit at the restaurant, if they can go to Lowe's, Home Depot, they go to, to the grocery store, then you can come to church. If you can go all those places and say, oh, I don't want to go down to church and get it, it's because you don't want to go to church. Amen. I was preaching for a fellow last month and there's a lady, boy, she was telling everybody she couldn't go to church. She was afraid she's going to get it. And he went out to a restaurant. Brother Samuel there, she sat and there's 80 some people and nobody had their mask on and he just looked at her and went like, mm, like that, amen. And she came up to him. Well, now, preacher, I know you saw me here. Well, he said, oh, yes, I see you here. And he said, I know you've been going other places too, but it's just strange how you can't go to church. I'm telling you, I'm going to go to church. If that's the last place I go, I'll cut out the restaurant. I'll cut out the grocery store if I have to. But I'm going to church, church, church. I'm telling you, make it a priority in your life. Amen. Thank God for the church. I say hallelujah for the church. I'm glad for the privilege to be in church. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. Amen. Make it a priority. I appreciate the preacher having a two-week revival. When's the last time you heard that, Brother Tim? <laughs> I get people now, they want to do a one-day revival. Son, we're going to have it in one day, aren't we? Now, God, you got to do it one day. That's all we're giving you a chance. God, help us. Been on the road 27 years. Do you know when I first started... I scheduled some two-week meetings to start off with. But you don't do that today. You barely get Sunday through Wednesday. And that's about it. God, help us. Make the church of God a priority. Now, make sure you come for the right purpose. Fellas, we want you to talk to ladies. We, we want you to talk to ladies. And we want you to talk to church ladies. That's great. Just make sure that's not the purpose you come for. You don't come just to talk to somebody you like. You come to worship God. That can be a byproduct that you can see even wave at them and sit in the pew and talk to them. And we want you to do that. Thank God. But we want you to have the right purpose. That your purpose is to come and to glorify him. <laughs> I remember Brother Kidd was our youth director for about a year. I don't know how I survived that, but I did. Amen. <laughs> we were sitting in the hospital waiting room for somebody. And my girlfriend's name at that time was Geneva. And he said, uh, I want to ask you a question. That's okay. He said, who you think about more, Geneva or God? Well, man, I'm a teenage boy. And so I said, probably Geneva. Amen. And he said, uh, he said well, let me ask you another question. Uh, would God give you somebody who would take your mind off of him? 
well, that's a tough question to answer. And I said, uh, what are you trying to say? She's of the devil. And he, he started laughing. He said, no. But what I'm saying is, uh, the purpose of coming to church is to think about God. Amen. And to worship him. Hallelujah. He had this sanctuary was important to him. Scriptures were important to him. As Sister Candace testified. Thank God for his word. Hallelujah. You know what he did, Brother Laddie, in verse 19? He respected the scriptures because he believed in them. When he heard what that book said, he rent his clothes. We take that for granted. And we really don't believe what he says. But he says, you know what he said, young people? Psalms 19, verse 11. He said, there's a great reward in keeping them. I've had a great life. And I've not been all that I ought to be. But I've tried to honor that book. I've tried to honor it in my life. And God has blessed my life. You say, yeah, you got a sick wife. That, that, that's, I still have a blessed life. I enjoy getting up every morning and getting that book and praying and working on a message. I enjoy what I do because I've tried to honor that book. I have failed in it, believe me. But you know what, Brother Lamar? I live a good life. I don't have no sad songs to sing. I'm blessed beyond measure. I thank God I found a treasure. When I found the Lord, hallelujah, I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. I'm not, I'm not sad today. I'm glad today. I'm happy in Jesus. It is well with my soul. Hallelujah. Because of that book. Amen. Hallelujah for the book. He respected them because he believed them. He responded to them because he believed them. You know there's going to be times the pastor is going to preach to you. Others that God will speak to you about something in your life. How do you respond to that? You get upset? You say things like, well, he don't know what he's talking about. Well, ain't none of his business. That's between me and God. Well, God just made it his business because he gave him a message for you. Amen. You see, how do we respond to the scriptures? You know what I see in churches I'm preaching in? Maybe Brother Floor and the preacher and others are preaching. Maybe you can see something different, but I hardly see anybody go to the altar anymore. They're not responding to them. I have actually preached on prayer and not one person come pray about their prayer life. And you know, prayer is something we all can improve on. And not one person, Brother Laddie, would come and pray. And I thought to myself, what am I doing here? There are some meetings on Friday night that you're glad to leave as much as they want you to. Amen. Yeah. And then there are some that you hate to see, have to hate to go. But he thought a lot of the scriptures. And then lastly, sanctification was important to this young boy. He made a covenant with God. You know what you need to do, young people, this morning, if you haven't already? Make a covenant with God that with his help, you're going to do what he asks you to do. You're going to live for him. You're going to try your best to keep the world out. The world will keep trying to sneak in at you. It'll keep trying to sneak in at you. But you make a covenant. You young ladies make a covenant. You're not going to crawl in the back seat of a car with a young boy. Make a covenant. You're not going to do that. 
Make a covenant, boys, that you're not going to put a girl in that position. Make a covenant. You know the best way to do that is never be alone and you won't have the chance. Patty was in the children's home at Tabernacle. And we would allow to talk to one another on Saturday and Sunday. And they had the little vestibule there in front of the home. And the staff mother and the other girls were just right past that door. We always had people coming in and out. We only went on four dates for a whole year. And guess what? It was always with somebody else. So we walked down the aisle, virgins. And if you, hey, listen to me. Now, if you've made that mistake and you have sinned, listen, you can get right with God and still love Jesus and serve God. But I'm just saying, as young people, don't do it. Just, just don't do it. Just make a covenant with God that you're not going to do it. Hallelujah. Sometimes we fail and we sin against God. And as I preached yesterday, thank God we can get right with God. But don't do it. Make a covenant, you're not going to do it. I like what Billy Ball said one time. He's preaching to his young people about the flesh. And he said, well, you're saying you don't trust me. He said, that's right. Because I don't trust me. See, the flesh is rotten, and you give it opportunity, and it's going to take advantage of opportunity. But if you never give it that opportunity, it's not going to have that advantage to take of, you see. That's how you stay out of trouble. I know parents sometimes will let their kids take their boyfriend up in the room and shut the door and be up there for three hours. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? God help us. They can sit down there, praise God, or wow everybody else. Amen. Make a covenant. Brother Samuel, I wish I could tell you that I don't fail God, but I do. But I tell you, there's a desire in my heart to please him. Young people, I love you and we need you. We need you more than now than ever. Our country's in a mess. And we're going so far liberal and left. We need some people that will toe the line and not be ashamed to be a Baptist and not be ashamed to be a Christian. I'm like old brother Billy Kelly. They said, what would you be if you wasn't a Baptist? He said, ashamed. Amen. That's right. He said, nothing wrong going to heaven first class. Hallelujah. (laughs) You can be a Methodist and go, but I'm going to be a Baptist and go first class. Amen. Yes, sir. While he was yet 